This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So it's weird because I was in the studio yesterday and now I'm back in my home studio and I'm kind of chill, you know? It's like yesterday there was all this activity going on around me and Dan Bongino was there and what a nice guy. I mean, I, 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 cannot, I cannot say that enough because I've worked with some perfectly awful syndicated radio personalities and I'm not going to... I'm going to say anything about it right now because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to close any doors that might someday have to be opened again. But uh, it just it's just nice to meet someone who still has a level of humility about themselves, even though they're doing, you know, great. Um, I, I thought he was definitely uh, just a little bit burnt out, though. He's on his book tours. These things are re- really hard on people. You know, they have to have a public face and they have to run from one place to the other. He said he hadn't eaten a meal in two days. <laughs> I hope he got some of the good food that they had laid out for him. Which, by the way, in case any of my, uh, you know, management personnel are, are listening, I'll be up there next Thursday. So if you'd like to break out the uh, good food stash again, that would be nice. I realize I'm not Dan, but <clears throat> I'm Okay. <laughs> You guys can treat me nice. It will be all right. Um, I got to tell you, this is one of those days where I thought about the various news stories that I had been following for the last, uh, gosh, it feels like forever, right? And what scares me about the news that I was looking at for the last 24 hours was how much of it has to do with the fact that we have now basically accepted artificial intelligence as part of our lives. Everywhere I turn, somebody's telling me, get over it, Joyce. AI is going to be great. It's going to be great for us. And, and I think that on many levels, they're right. But on many levels, this stuff scares me. Now, think about this. There are people, and one of them is Elon Musk, who are just super brilliant. There's no question about it. They come up with technology advances that, you know, the average person couldn't do. I mean, when you talk about electric cars, how do you not bring up Tesla and Elon Musk? You have to, right? I was driving behind a Tesla yesterday, coming home from Palm Beach. And those things don't make any noise. They're actually quite interesting looking. This one um, was the kind of SUV looking one. And when I was down in Miami on Saturday, somebody had pulled up to the front of the uh, Doral, the Trump Doral, and they were in one of those cars and the doors like open up like wings. You know, it was really cool. But Elon Musk has invented 
this neurotechnology through his company, Neuralink. And now he's looking for volunteers for you to have this, this thing implanted in your brain. And he has volunteered already. And he's claiming, and look, I, I don't doubt it, that if you were completely paralyzed, you would be able to have this chip implanted and you would be able to operate, for instance, your smartphone with your mind. Now, I don't doubt that, but it scares me, okay? Because what if your neurotechnology chip decides to do things besides what you want it to do? Well, the company got the green light from an independent review board to start their brain-computer interface testing on people suffering from paralysis from, you know, the people that have these spinal cord injuries or people who have ALS, uh, amotropic lateral sclerosis. And he, um, you know, he's now looking for recruits for the first human trial of this brain implant. And the trial is expected to last approximately six years. So what happens is a robot implants the chip in the brain, in the region of the brain that's responsible for the intention to move. So that essentially the person's thoughts would be able to control a computer cursor or even a keyboard. And of course, immediately I'm reading all these articles because there's always, first of all, there's a lot of Elon Musk haters, but there's also a lot of questions in the scientific community. And in spite of the fact that the company got the green light from a pretty independent looking review board to start this, particularly in light of helping paralytics, you know, the, to get an FDA clearance for a, an inhuman clinical trial is not easy. They initially wanted to test on 10 humans, but reported FDA concerns saw that the number needed to be revisited and they haven't told us just how many people are going to be included in this test right now. Now, people were very upset that the tests had originally been done on animals. And they had a, a, a macaw, one of the monkeys, that had a link chip placed in their brain and they were playing Pong they're literally using a joystick with their mind. I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this. Um, a lot of negative press for the animal test. And I'm one of these people who I was in the animal rights uh, realm for a long time. And I've always said, with the modern computer technology that we have now, you really don't have to do experiments on animals. You can do pre- a predictive testing on a computer that'll tell you uh, what's going to happen if you were to implant it in a macaw or in a chimpanzee or anybody else, or a rabbit, anything. So the, the press has been running crazy, especially the animal rights activists, saying that they implanted Bluetooth-enabled chips into the monkeys' brains, and they were trying to communicate with computers via like a small receiver. 
and the test subjects got sick. They, got, they had infections from the electrodes that were placed in their brains, and the claim was that more than, well, what they said, the, the Guardian had said that around 1,500 animals, including more than 280 sheep, pigs, and monkeys, have allegedly died as a result of Neuralink tests since 2018. And uh, Musk, of course, I remember when he tweeted out, no monkey has died as a result of a Neuralink implant, which mm, definitely ticked off some people. Told them, take an ethics class, you there. But I guess I bring this up because I'm trying to figure out what's my position and place in the discussion of these kinds of extraordinary technologies that will either make life so much better, particularly for people who have long-term chronic disabilities, and how much can we actually trust that all of this technology doesn't end up with these artificial brains taking everything over. Now, uh, we're starting to see how it impacts communications, right? Today, there was a story that Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, Twitter, I mean, X, formerly known as Twitter account, was hacked. And it had a, uh, they, they put out a number of posts claiming that his father was dead and that instead he's running to be the president. And so now, you know, that's some scary stuff. If you're following Don Jr. on X and you see an announcement that says, I'm sad to announce my father, Donald Trump, has passed away, that's going to have some impact. And there were a lot more, you know, wild posts. I'll be running for president in 2024. And there were other tweets that included references to like North Korea saying that the country's about to get smoked. And underneath that po post was a response mentioning Aiden Ross, who's a live streamer on Kick, who claimed he would do an interview with Kim Jong-un. There were other ones that were, you know, interesting messages with Jeffrey Epstein um, saying that he was still alive. I, I mean... I don't know what to believe anymore. Does anybody else? Like, I don't know what chat GPT is producing on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. I really don't. So I'm just trying, you know, to, to wait and not get too hysterical about this. But I have a real concern. And, and to, you know, the, the, some of the great listeners, I have a few of them that have really been trying to console me and comfort me and tell me everything's going to be okay. As a matter of fact, AI is going to be the answer to a lot of the problems that we as human beings have. And certainly if it could improve the lives of people who suffer from paralysis or other debilitating chronic conditions, well, that would be a good thing. But there's always cost-benefit analysis that needs to be done. I'm sure the writers in Hollywood wish there wasn't such a thing as AI and chat GPT right now because those could 
become the future writers of scripts and of commercials and everything else. So don't, don't hate me because I have concerns. You know, my job is to see ahead. And sometimes I'll be right on the money and sometimes, you know, my opinions will be just opinions and you don't have to get all upset with me. I'm entitled. I've seen good ideas go bad. I've seen good politicians go bad. I've seen good elected representatives go bad. So the idea that I could control artificial intelligence any better than I control the electoral system in this country seems pretty far-fetched to me. So I'm just gonna keep my eye on all this stuff. I'm not condemning, I'm not hating, I'm just trying to see at what price are we willing to give up autonomy? Are we willing to give up privacy? Are we willing to give up uh, the workforce? Maybe we are. You know, I'm beginning to think that I don't know what's in the hearts and minds of people like I used to. And a lot of that has to do with, I don't know what to believe. When I read people's posts or when I get an email or a text message, most of it sounds like, eh, this might've come from chat GPT. Don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can observe and do whatever you need to do at the, you know, at the app. You, you can listen to the show. You can listen to all the podcasts. You can participate in the contests. Or if you don't want to do that, some people are funny about apps. I have a couple of people tell me, I don't like the apps on my phone. All right, well, then go to the website, 850WFTL.com, and you can get all the same advantages I just described. Let me take a quick break, and I will be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So it's uh, pretty scary at the uh, White House right now. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make me feel good. But the big picture needs to be talked about honestly. And the White House is now sending out this message to all of the Democrats who are worried. They're worried about this president's age. They're worried about Seriously bad poll numbers, including one of the left polls that today said uh, Donald Trump is moving past. He's, he's getting a lead on Joe Biden. So the White House, in their inimitable, somebody leaked it before you know they wanted it to be leaked, they said, clam up and chill out. 
Mike Donilon, who's the senior White House advisor, is telling all the Democrats that they don't have to worry, stop uh, talking about it, that uh, Joe Biden is going to win the election because of abortion and Donald Trump. Now, I know they want to believe that, and I know they can make a case for that, but my job is to be somewhat more realistic than that. And while I think that the abortion issue does mobilize the far left, not the middle left, I think most people are pretty circumspect when it comes to abortion. They understand that it's a moral dilemma and that people have a right to question whether or not we should be killing babies in the womb. So I think the majority of Americans, even if they feel there should be legalized abortion, most of them don't think it should be right up to the moment of birth or after the moment of birth or any of this other lunatic stuff that went on with the the guy in, um, where was it? It was the guy who Glenn Youngkin replaced in, in Virginia. They don't think that's a good idea. I don't think they like the New York law, which says, you know, a woman can decide, you know, right up until the first sound or even after that, that a baby makes upon birth. So I don't know that that's such a winning issue. And I'm watching the Republican Party start to temper the way they talk about it as well. It doesn't make me happy, but they're all about winning elections. And if they believe for a moment that that's going to be a sticking point, They'll have a candidate who doesn't stick to their guns. Now, I know that Donald Trump has said from the very beginning that he opposes abortion. He put three Supreme Court justices in there who were pro-life, and that's about all the proof you need. However, I think as a realist, as a businessman, he would not declare that six weeks or, or nine weeks has to be the limit. I don't know, but I don't think so. That's what Governor DeSantis did, and he's got my support on that. I'm, I'm all there. But, but if the politic powers are concerned about abortion being the issue that's going to drive uh, Joe Biden back to, to, into the uh, Oval Office, well, then you can start tinkering around with those numbers. But you're not going to be able to reinstate abortion. I don't care who the president is because the president right now is pro-abortion. But the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. It's not going to be reinstated, not with this court. And even if you were to shift the court slightly, it was bad law. Everybody knew it and everybody knows it now. It's been exposed. So that's not going to determine the election, in my opinion. And when it comes to the old age thing, it's not the age. Because many people are going to support a guy who's almost as old and will be as old were he to get the second term. So I listen to these pundits, these brilliant people, these Mike Donnellans, these senior advisors, and I say to myself, they're a little too confident, which is always a red flag for me because it means one of two things. Either they know something 
nobody else knows. Well, they have a plan that nobody knows about yet of destroying the candidacy of Donald Trump, which I think that's pretty clear. Or worse yet, they have figured out a strategy to cheat. Now, d don't roll your eyes. There isn't anybody in this listening audience who doesn't believe that a lot of this machination that you're seeing right now, we've got another state which has decided automatic voters registration at the DMV. What's wrong with that? Some of the people who get driver's licenses are not American citizens. Why should they automatically be eligible to vote in our elections? Of course they shouldn't. And just because you ask them, are you a citizen, and they check the box yes, doesn't make me feel any better. So if the Biden team and Donilon and all these people wants to dismiss the concerns of the Democrats out there who are down ticket or fundraisers or whatever, maybe they ought to be reminded that we have a real crisis on the southern border, that we have people dying all over this country of fentanyl that has poured across the southern border. We have schools that are overwhelmed again, hospitals that are overwhelmed again, cities like New York, who are sanctuary cities, are complaining that they cannot sustain the level of population increase due to the illegal immigrants showing up there. If they really believe that Hunter Biden's indictment, even if they make it pretty much go away and he just gets a slap on the wrist, it affects the way people see this administration. The economy? I mean, get serious. I don't care how many times they tell me unemployment is low. Well, that may be true, but wages are stagnant and inflation is destroying the ability of families to own homes, buy homes, to buy groceries, to pay their bills, to pay for insurance. And we're about to have a catastrophic insurance crisis in this state. And you couple that with inflation and limited opportunities for seniors in the state to increase their income, if anything, they're living older and they're more concerned about their income than ever before. And now you tell them that that homeowner's policy that they have on their condo or they have on their home is going to double, triple, maybe even quadruple. You're going to get a lot of hemming and hawing from that population. People are looking very carefully at their bottom lines. People are concerned. And so when the Biden administration and Donilon and all the pundits out there want to dismiss this, maybe they ought to look at what's happening in Michigan right now, where an auto strike is literally challenging the Democrats' union support. You got Latinos for Trump, African Americans for Trump, springing up with videos everywhere. You've got union workers who are really ticked off at the Democrat Party right now. And Donaldson says, don't worry. It's all going to be about Donald Trump and abortion. They're either 
too stupid to be in positions of power, or else they know something we don't know. And that always scares me. You're hearing people talk about having him step aside. I hear it every day. What are we going to do? We can't have Kamala Harris. She's even less likable and less competent. Oh, well, don't worry. Gavin Newsom's in the wings. (laughs) Gavin Newsom has about as much chance of becoming the president of the United States in in this upcoming election as I do. Actually, I have a better chance because people know less about me. (laughs) Really? Uh, What kind of chance? People look at the state of California and they think to themselves, there but for the grace of God goes the whole country. They're not voting for Gavin Newsom. They're not. All his opponent has to do is uh, show uh, the the terrifying condition of L.A. and San Francisco, once beautiful, you know, cities. All they have to do is show what a tax bill looks like, what a property tax bill looks like. And uh, Gavin Newsom's, the, the charm will wear off real quick around the country. Middle America, the flyover country that they hate so much, they're not having a Gavin Newsom. That is not going to happen. That's why Joe Biden got this nomination, because they could not get the middle of America, the unions, to vote for somebody like Pete Buttigieg or Hillary Clinton, for that matter. So now what they have is this very unrealistic expectation that the American public are going to be okay with Joe Biden. It's all good. You know, they keep telling themselves, well, all these court appearances that Donald Trump is going to be involved in, uh, there's a pretty sharp contrast between him and the, uh, the current president. And, you know, if Biden gets up every couple of days and talks to donors and said, I'm running because democracy is at stake. Okay. Okay, tell that to the moms and dads who are pretty sick and tired of him talking about LGBTQ and transgender rights. Pretty tired of it. Tired of being told they're terrorists because they go to a school board meeting to see what their kids are being taught in school. What's going to matter is how engaged voters are, period. Democrat voters, Republican voters, and independent voters. And right now, I'd say the pendulum is swinging far right. And that's okay with me. All right, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I will be right back. So I, I watch and I, I calculate and I think about all these things. And I know what to dismiss and what to pay attention to. That's a gift. And... I'm watching Nikki Haley right now because there's a lot of positive things to be said about Nikki Haley and in particular about her campaign because I think it has been masterful. And I met Nikki Haley years and years ago. She was still the governor of South Carolina. I met her at my friend uh, my friend's house in Palm Beach on the island and as a matter of fact, I think we went to like some club. I think uh, it was a night that Rush was there as well. And it was like, it, it, she was very impressive at the time, very impressive. And I thought, this is a contender, you know, down the road. I was pleased with the job that she did for two years as the UN ambassador for Donald Trump. And so I've been watching her campaign because I think that 
regardless of whether I ever thought she had a chance and I never thought she had a chance and I still don't think she had a chance, has a chance, I hope people are watching her campaign. People that do have a chance are watching her campaign because it has been waged pretty brilliantly. And if you're not willing to learn from other people's successes as well as their failures, then you gotta go through a lot of pain yourself. So we've got, we're one week out from the next GOP debate. She got a lot of attention and a lot of interest after that first debate. And then what she did was she basically built her own lane in this primary. She stayed on message. She has a commitment to her message. And she tells a lot of anecdotes, a lot of personal stories that resonate with people. They, they know how to get reporters to their events, which is very important. A lot of these people like here, you know, where's Vivek Ramaswamy? I mean, all we heard after the debate was like, oh, Vivek, he's the guy. And now it's like, mm, no. But on the other hand, Nikki's still getting a lot of press. What does she do? What does her campaign do? They invite reporters and tell them, you can watch the way the crowd responds to her. Now, that's what got Donald Trump into, into office. There's no question about it. The atmosphere at rallies was completely over the top, and people got caught up. So she has, uh, she has a, a way of dazzling people. And then what her campaign did, which is so brilliant, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because I'm a person who watches. They don't let her talk to the press afterwards. So you don't get knocked out of third place if you don't get caught by a reporter saying something that the majority of people who are big donors or you know, going to be involved in raising funds for you, you don't tick them off if you're not answering questions. So what she talks about all the time is her own electability. And the best way to show the money, ma the money lenders or whatever you call them, the, the donors and, and the pundits, that you can win an election is to have people excited about you, showing up to see you. And then you just have to have a few key points. Like she said, she's going to veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. That's a $1.8 trillion spending cut. And then she doesn't explain it. Now, I'm not saying I think that's a good strategy because it wouldn't work on me, probably wouldn't work on you. But it's working on a lot of independent voters. She also is a supporter of funding the war in Ukraine, which is a very separate lane from almost everybody else. And certainly everybody else that's a contender. She says things like, oh, um, when it comes to abortion, she says, well, I think we have to come to a consensus and save as many lives as possible. Okay, well, I don't know what that means and neither do you because she doesn't know what that means. So, the fact that she may be electable is important, but she's got to win the nomination first. And I will say this, no other candidate in this race 
has stayed on their core message any better than Nikki Haley. She's a fresh face. She's less erratic than DeSantis or Trump, who are one and two. And I guess the only problem that I see right now is that she's topped out. She's not getting any, she's not climbing any higher in the polls. She's just hanging in in third place, right? You got Trump in lead. You got DeSantis in the second place. And then you have Nikki Haley, who got into third place and is holding on to it. Not to mention that she didn't spend a lot of money. Her campaign did not spend a lot of money before that first debate. And then after the first debate, then they started taking some risky positions, talking about funding the Ukraine, um, talk, punting about abortion limits by saying Congress wouldn't pass them. So in other words, I don't have to answer your question because that's not going to happen. Mm, still got to answer it. And then, of course, she just she didn't do what everybody else was doing. She didn't attack primarily Donald Trump. She did say that there should be mandatory mental competency tests for elderly politicians. She says that every day, actually. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that. She's not, she doesn't have the ire of the pro-Trump people the way like a Mike Pence does. And when she talks about like personal stories, unlike Governor DeSantis, hers are like actually kind of, she knows how to get the message out there in a brief manner, and she sticks to that message. The only thing that ever complicated her race, really, when you think about it, was when Tim Scott got in it. And of course, he increasingly gets asked, why are you single? Whereas Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis and Donald Trump, they can all talk about their families. And it just makes Tim Scott's singleness look even odder. You know, I don't think it's odd. I don't think anybody really doesn't know why Tim Scott is single any more than they don't know why Lindsey Graham is single. I don't think that's true. They're either asexual or they're homosexual. Okay, that's not going to win or lose an election anymore. You can forget about that. Maybe hiding it is the only thing that could lose an election. And I don't know, he may be asexual. But when you look at Nikki Haley and she stands up there and she says, I'm the wife of a combat veteran. I was the governor of a state. That's powerful. I'm, I'm not white. You know, she can say that. And of course, she's a good debater. So we'll see. In a week, we're going to get another chance to look at her. Her numbers will either go up dramatically or they will fall off the edge. That's my anticipation. Governor DeSantis is the person with the most to prove right now. If he does not have a phenomenal debate with numbers just rising and donors coming out of the woodworks, it may be his last shot. You know, that, that's how I feel. As for Donald Trump, He's riding high. I don't think his law cases, his cases are going to affect too much. I really don't. I think a lot of those cases may end up being dropped. Just saying, you know, 
Am I prescient? No, I've been reading the case law. He's either going to ride them out until after the election or some of them are going to fall off. I think that New York case is going to fall off. I really do. The more I read and the more I study it, the less likely I think they are to even be able to go ahead with that. Really. So, hey, it's an exciting time to be on the air. That's all I'm going to say. So stay where you are because I still have another segment that I got to wrap up. And then, of course, Eric Erickson will follow me. And then all the guys in the evening, Lars Larson, Joe Paggs, and then the overnight guys. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill, be well, Jen will be back. I don't know about Bill, but Jen will be back tomorrow morning, followed by Brian Kilmeade, followed by Dan Bongino, who ends up being a really, 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 really nice guy with the most adorable wife. And then I come back at 3 o'clock, so stay right where you are. So there was a really cool kind of funny uh, article in, I think it was a Bloomberg this morning, and then I saw it repeated on uh, like the Yahoo news site, and it was about how all these conservative Republicans are getting ready to move back into the White House. You know, that they, they, they are thinking about cabinet positions, the America First Policy Institute, which is the think tank that was created to promote Trump's agenda. Then you have the Heritage Foundation, who are, they got all these initiatives out there that they're trying to help the next Republican president transition into the role, regardless of who that is. And they're going to have a big event, I think it's Wednesday next week, I think so. I saw an email about it, but I'll have to check. And they're going to create how-to guides for incoming staffers complete with policy recommendations from people who served during the first Trump administration. So they actually are creating playbooks with the input of nine former cabinet members, 20 White House senior aides, and like 400 other Trump administration officials, which is fascinating to me. You can have Linda McMahon, she was the SBA um, small business administrator. You're going to have David Bernhardt, who was the Secretary of the Interior, Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf, who I love. And this is what, here's what I'm, what I'm telling you. What this tells me is that nobody is even considering that someone else is going to get the nomination. They're just not. They're realists. And it tells you that the establishment, the rhinos and the GOP establishment in Washington is no longer going to be unprepared on how to deal with Donald Trump because they were totally unprepared in 2016. So they're thinking, this is going to happen. We need to be ready and we need to make sure that we get people in there who can actually get stuff done because it's going to be four years of hell for the Democrats. That's what it's going to be. It's really about reining in the deep state, the administrative state, and making sure that this administration hits the ground running. They got to be ready on day one because they're going to do all the same things that they did the last time 
he left too many political appointee jobs unfilled during his first term. He said they're not necessary. We don't need all these people. But guess what? You do need all those people because you've got to fight the bureaucracy every day. So they're going to have resume banks for all these political appointee jobs and guides so that they can get right to work and get these policies passed and get these policies in effect. The Heritage Foundation is working with over 70 conservative groups and a bunch of senior Trump administration officials, including the former OMB uh, director, Russell Boyd, including John McEntee, the former deputy chief of staff, Rick Dearborn, they're, they're going to hit the ground running. And the only thing we're going to get to downsize is the EPA. How about that? So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming. So get your resumes ready. I'm getting my resume ready. I want to be the press secretary this time. I did, said I didn't want to be it last time, but I want to be it this time because I think it's going to be heck of a fun ride. So you stay, stay well. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. And then we'll get back together tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.